Hello, everyone. It is Free Kayla, the host of the Big Kids Podcast, a podcast that encourages you to ask strangers in the grocery store really rude questions. We're here trying to figure out something about adulthood. Who knows what it is because we're all confused and our parents failed us. So grab out your pen and paper again, because we're going to go through a couple more questions on life hacker Alicia Adam Sizik posted questions to ask yourself to live a better financial life. And I think some of these questions are really intuitive and also very eye-opening. So I'm going to read them out to you and then we'll go through my answers together. What are your top financial worries? What are the three smartest financial moves you've ever made? What do you consider your three biggest financial mistakes? When in your life were you the happiest? What made it a happy time? And what role, if any, did money play? So I'm going to give you a little bit to go through those, pause this, and we'll come back. Okay, welcome back and let's go through the answers. I actually did not take the time to sit down and write them out. I wanted to answer these questions just as they came to my head and be as transparent as possible while going through these. So firstly, what are your top financial worries? Obviously, a big one that I have, which kind of seems ridiculous, I don't know why this is such an anxiety, but it's the future and it's retirement. And I, I'm, st- I'm still a young book, but for some reason, thinking about planning for retirement can be an overarching stress when it comes to money for me. The second one is obviously being able to pay bills and making sure that I'm on top of the payments that come out and making sure that I have enough money accessible. I will say that I have the privilege of being a dink household dual income, no kids. So that is quite the bonus, but that can bring anxiety. I think we all know what that's like, especially when financial hardships are upon us. It gets really stressful thinking about all the bills that are coming out at a certain time of the month and how how am I even going to do it? And there's been lots of times in my life that there has not been enough money in the account to cover everything. And the thought of that happening is it can be really anxiety inducing and really nerve wracking. And it's a lot and it plays a lot into even my self-worth sometimes. The next question, what are the three smartest financial moves you've ever made? I don't really entirely know yet, but the first one that pops in my head was taking a budgeting course right out of high school. That was probably the best financial move I've ever made. Even though I didn't make money off of it, I spent money on it. And you know what? It was actually Dave Ramsey. And you know me, you know my opinions on Dave Ramsey. He is not my favorite bald guy on the planet. But that was a very insightful first step into the world of finance and the world of personal finance and budgeting. And it just like, if if, if you're a control freak like me, oh, does it help? Does it Does it ever help? These answers might be ridiculous, but the second thing that pops in my head was straight out of high school, I worked for a small business. And a lot of small businesses, especially if you have a really intense business owner, are not fun to work for because it is like the most intense work ethic expected from you for the most mundane minimum wage jobs ever. But either way, the guy that I worked for was not the nicest guy in the world, but I will say that he was smart and he was very financially sound. So he kind of stepped in as a mentor, even though I didn't necessarily ask for it. But I'm so thankful in retrospect because he did teach me a lot when it comes to like how to manage money and entrepreneurship. So I guess the best 
the second best financial move I made was having a mentor, even if that wasn't my goal, but I would suggest it to anybody. If you want to have some insight into success and successful people and money, find a successful person to teach you a little bit. There, I will say though, there was a lot of things that he taught me that I absolutely took with a grain of salt because that guy was intense. He was so intense. He made me cry so many times, but I'm also sensitive. So uh, maybe it wasn't his fault. The third smartest financial move I ever made was getting in a committed relationship and making money a fundamental piece of conversation that needed to be addressed. Uh, me and Bo talked about money and still talk about money so much. And it was just a foundational piece of our relationship right off the bat. And I'm very thankful, firstly, that he even let me absolutely bombard him with financial information and questions and just absolute grinding. But it's relieved so much stress from our relationship now because we've went through so many financial hardships and just times where we're like, what is even happening with our money? This is chaos. But there's like a level of trust between us that we both know that we're on the same page when it comes to money. We're very transparent with how we spend money, how we save money, what we do with the money that comes in. And that was a really big one because I have seen couples absolutely pretty much destroy each other when it comes to money issues. And that was just a big thing that I didn't want to happen. And it just takes a lot of relief. My three biggest financial mistakes. This is also a hard one because I am still young. So I don't know. I could possibly be making financial mistakes as we speak and have no idea. But the top three that come to mind are probably one, dogs. That is a financial mistake. They are so expensive. Something goes wrong. It's so expensive, but I love them. So I won't consider that as like the biggest mistake ever. I love them. I would pay tons of money to keep them safe and well, but they're expensive. My second financial mistake was listening to people that are not credited in any possible way to give me financial information on the internet. Now you might say, oh, that sounds pretty hypocritical. But as I said before, I do have some, some authority to speak in this circle. I'm so glad that I barely see the to the moon guys anymore, but those are the kind of people I'm talking about. Do not take advice from them. Or you can. That's your choice, but I wouldn't personally. My final financial mistake that I think all of us make at some point in our lives is credit. Especially getting a credit card before having some education on how it works and how much you should pay down and what your balance should be at and how it actually affects your credit is such a big thing. And I'm going to say this because I know that Bo has given me permission to talk about his finances publicly like this, but that he had a lot of credit card debt when we first got together legally. And it seriously screwed up his credit and he just had no concept and no education on how to keep his credit card balance reasonable and that you couldn't just go to the bar and throw everybody's drinks on it. And because we are legally together, his mistakes became my mistakes. They merged into one. So that would be the biggest mistake that I have also made because I'm, I, I have, I'm guilty. I have also put too much on my credit cards many times and then all of a sudden looked at my statements and was like, well, shit, I'm in credit card debt. This is new. So that would probably be my third biggest mistake. And then the last question is, when in life were you the happiest? What made it a happy time and what role, if any, did money play? As you may know, I love to travel. That is the biggest goal in my life is to be able to travel with freedom and to wherever I want, whenever I want, and just have that accessibility. And that's a big goal. 
And I can't necessarily say that goal is going to happen, but I'm going to firmly continue to believe that it will. The Some of the happiest times in my life, one of the happiest times was this summer. Me and Bo went to Europe and we spent almost a month in Europe just traveling around. We went to Italy and France and Monaco and accidentally England. And that was probably one of the one of the happiest times and periods of in my life. And it was being able to see beautiful things with somebody that I love and experiencing what I want to experience in life. And one of my goals is to go to 30 countries by 30. And it's a big goal considering I'm only halfway there. But I started this goal when I turned 18, the first you know time that I left the country on my own, like I'd been to the States before, but it was the first time I'd left on my own and had went to more than just America. And that's kind of when that goal started. And when it comes to money, yeah, money does play a role in that. Traveling is a privilege that not all of us get. And it's a hard thing to obtain. And there is a level of, you know, money. Money plays a role in that. And I'm aware of that. Money kind of just, it funds that. If I know like digital nomads and there's so many people that just backpack and that would be something that I'd be willing to do. But you need an initial startup fund to kind of get going, I believe. But if you have uh, pro tips on how to travel full-time and work full-time, please let me know. Biases and opinions that we just have so deeply ingrained into our mindsets that we don't even notice. We, we pay no attention to it because it just doesn't seem a big enough deal. But then it also... Another tangent, it's going to make us treat people differently, even if we have, you know, we look at the people that look at the mindset of poor people don't work hard enough. Okay, so then you see somebody and you're aware of their socioeconomic status and you're going to treat them differently, whether you realize it or not. But more in the way that they think that people might want to take their money. They, they Money hoarders, very secret money hoarders. For me, also, one of the things that I have written down is that money was very related to business. I, The generations before me were mainly business owners, and I can't necessarily say good ones by any means, but nonetheless, all sole proprietors, that their money and their business money were very hand in hand. So I guess money kind of is transactionary in my mind that way, where business and money are very closely related, which is interesting when it comes to personal finance, especially when you start dabbling in financial therapy, because, well, all of a sudden you're noticing that your mental health is really important. And when money is a key component of who you are, because you are your business, then it's important to also have some health towards your money and your viewpoints on finances. And as a tangent, because you guys know tangents are my favorite, I think that post-COVID-19, we're obviously looking at mental health a lot differently. And if finances and mental health are so tied together, then it's really, really important to at least have some grasp on how your mental health is directly affected by your personal finances. And we need to start clearing up the taboo fuzziness of talking about finances because you probably have friends that are so stressed about money right now that it's keeping them up at night. And it's really barreling in on them. And I've mentioned before, like I'm from Alberta, I'm Alberta raised, not saying I'm patriotic by any means, but the 2016 oil crisis really showcased how important it is for people to have not even just like a nest egg, but some kind of grasp on their finances because we saw all these young men going to work in the oil fields and making tons and tons of money, but having no concept of how fleeting that money can be. So they never prepared for anything. And then we saw an extreme mental health crisis because these guys had 
families that they need to provide for as some bad habits that they thought they needed to provide for. And they didn't really have the expenditures for it. And it caused serious issues for us that we're still battling. I think also growing up in an oil rich place that most of the income that comes into our province is from oil and has been for as long as I've been alive. I think another thing that plays a part in that is you're around people that view money definitely as a status thing. They really size each other up based on their social class. And when you know somebody's making oil money, you just assume that they're making really good money and they're almost in the same category as you. And that was a process and conversations that I had seen the entire time I've grown up. And this intense idea of hardworking and this kind of just like a looking down on people that work in offices and people that work in corporate positions and people that are administrative without recognizing the essential role that those people even play in the companies that, that you work for. So maybe that also plays a part in sometimes where I can be a little bit work conscious, a little bit work owns my heart kind of thing, which I don't think is the best. I'm starting to move out of that and starting to work on, you know, focusing on myself and realizing that my worth doesn't just come from the work that I provide or the money that I'm able to obtain and make and covet and so on and so forth. The last question, what is the function of money and your relationships as an adult? And this is, this was a hard one because I can think directly with like Bo, my spouse. I can, I know kind of how money plays a role in our relationship. It is a big part of our relationship and it's a big part of how we've grown together because not to throw him under the bus, but my guy, I got a podcast on financial literacy. So you can assume who the money manager has been for many years, but it's been a big growing pain for us and just like growth in our relationship to be discussing finances openly and to have a lot of transparency in our finances. And there's a level of trust that we've had to build and that we've built out of that. When it comes to other relationships, it's hard. I can, I'm definitely the annoying one that can bring up money conversations at the dinner table with people around. And that's maybe not the best thing in the entire world to do. And it's definitely caused issues, but I'm a curious guy. I'm a curious guy and I like a little bit of debate, but I think it can be a little bit straining on other adult relationships. And that's why I have a podcast is so I can talk to people that are actually interested in listening instead of just putting my ideas and opinions out wherever. That's growth, but that's growth, baby. In Siobhan's blog post that I'm taking these questions from, she says that one of the key takeaways she got was that any problems that you have with money represent the barriers you have between yourself and living your best life. And wow, okay, yeah, that seems really dramatic when it just comes to personal finance, but it's true. The barriers that you have with money and your relationship with money are huge components of how you're going to deal with money and how you're going to deal with just the day-to-day things in your life. And it also is a huge reflection of your self-worth as we learned doing the money script tests. A lot of the scripts that were showcased were, I don't think I deserve money, or I think that money is going to come to me no matter what, or the universe is going to provide money, or you know, rich people are greedy, poor people don't work hard enough. It's just these really intense if the clones episodes the last two episodes the two-part series that i posted taught me anything it's that you guys seem to really love financial therapy so i'm gonna give the people what the people want what the people need okay 
Welcome back to Big Kids Podcast. I am free, Kayla. I'm sure you already heard that in my sweet little intro. It's old and I need to re-record it because it's just not me anymore, you know? Rebrand. Either way, on the last two episodes, we talked about the clones money script. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but either way, the money script is these four kind of characteristics, these four categories that people can fall into when it comes to their relationship with money and how they deal with money. And it was really interesting. We kind of went through it together. If you haven't listened to those two episodes, I highly suggest that you do. We did kind of fun and interactive. I'm the interactive thoughts inside your head that's telling you what to do. And I just want to say that I'm not a therapist, but I do have a certificate in financial behavioralism, so it gives me a little bit of authority to speak on the subject. And I, if there's something I don't know, I plan on getting educated on it to give you the information so that you know that you can trust me. You can trust me with whatever you want. Not whatever. I'm a bad secret keeper, so trust me with virtually nothing. Today, I once again want you to go grab your pen and paper because we're going to do some more prompts and we're going to do a little bit of financial therapy because why not? It's good for the soul. Self-care with money. How fun. I found three questions that Siobhan posted. Uh, Siobhan is the owner of Unabridged Counseling and Coaching. And I thought that these questions were really interesting, and I think that they provide a lot of insight, and I want to do them with you, and I'll go through my answers as well. So grab your pen and paper, and let's honestly just start with this. We're starting our episodes off with therapy. Yes. Okay, so the first question that I want you to think about and write down is number one. What messages were you taught about money when you were young? Question number two. What did you hear about money when you were young? In quotations, this is different from number one. We hear a lot as kids that it's not actually told to us. Maybe you heard conversations between your parents, or maybe you remember a family member stressing over bills. What did these memories teach you? And the final question is, what is the function of money in your relationships as an adult? I'll give you a second to go through these, and we'll come back and I'll tell you my fun little answers. Okay, so the first question, what messages were you taught about money when you were young? So I really had to think about this because in retrospect, I don't really know if I was actually taught like very much about money. I don't really have any memories of my parents like teaching me any kind of resounding information that lasted. My mom was like, my mom wasn't very into money. She, we didn't really have a ton of money and she kind of just believed that when money comes, it comes and when it goes, it goes and it's not too much to really think about. Although my mom has told me stories now as an adult about how she was really interested in money and she was, you know, good at saving and so on. But life happens uh, when you always have big bills coming up, but not enough to really catch up to it. It kind of takes away from that. So I don't know. I was kind of taught that there's not too much to really worry about. It's going to come and it's going to go. And my dad wasn't, he didn't really have very much insight either. He was into business and he definitely had like an entrepreneurial mindset, but I can't say that he always followed through with what he said he was going to do. So he was also really on me to get a job and like make my own money and not be spoiled because there were moments, you know, I was the first girl in 54 years. So I was, I was the baby girl. But he was really big on me getting a job in high school and so on, which I never did. I never wanted to work in high school, so I just didn't. 
but he, yeah, he was big into like make it on your own, but didn't really walk what he talked. So I think that that affected me for sure. Like that's definitely an aspect of, I believe in hard workmanship sometimes to a fault, but I don't believe it for anybody other than myself. Like I'm not looking at other people and being like, you need to work harder. Like, no, I do think people maybe need to manage a little better, but that's, that's something learned. That's not something usually innate. As for your question too, what did you hear about money when you were young? This was also a really hard one. My parents were always separated. I have no memory of them ever being together. And of course, you know, everybody with separated parents knows, where's the child? Where's my child support? And all those things. And my mom and my dad, not to totally expose them, but I'm going to do it anyways. They were a little bit volatile. Definitely the kind of parents that argued over the phone aggressively about different things and also maybe talked a little bit of crap about each other to me. And a lot of it was money-based. And I should mention neither, well, my parents weren't big into like ownership of things as well, if that makes any sense. But I guess the things that I heard from them were very much about the fight for money most of the time. And the things that I heard from other people, lots of stresses for sure. And also I've noticed as I've gotten older that a lot of people around me lie about how much money they have, which is like no big deal. It's their right to do that. But there, there was a level of secrecy around money, but not in the taboo way where it's like rude to talk about money. I think it's safe to end the podcast here because I don't really know if I have much else to go into on this, but I want to leave this, this list of questions with you. It's called Questions to Ask Yourself to Live a Better Financial Life by Alicia Uh, Just Google it and you'll find it. It's on lifehacker.com. And I encourage you this week to go through those questions and really think about them and write down your answers and just, you know, meditate on what they mean for you. And in the next episode, maybe we'll go through some more of them and kind of touch base on what this means. And I'm liking this whole financial therapy thing. I don't know. It's special interest right now. So we're going to keep going with it until I probably move back to extreme cheapskating. Either way, thank you for listening again. Happy Wednesday. Happy week. I love you. I love you. Sorry about that. Probably so gross because you're like, I don't even know who you are. Stop trying to kiss up in my ear. Either way, happy Wednesday.